0: The quotation that's actually helped me out a lot in life is something my stepdad told me, and that's, always do what's right for you, because a company will always do what's right for it. Mm. So a lot, you know, the previous, like even our generation, generations prior.
1: back to Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgie, and today we have Jessica Greenwald with us, and she's going to be telling us all about her business, what she does, and how she does the most. So Jessica, if you could go ahead and give us a little bit of an introduction about you and what
0: you do. Yeah, sure thing. And thanks for having me, by the way. Um, Talk about doing the most. That's like a very on-brand aligned title of my life experience right now, because I am a digital artist. User experience research designer and um, researcher, product designer, front end web dev- developer, and co founder for a variety of different projects. And my day job is that I'm a creative director over at Vayner NFT. Nice,
1: nice. And so you have multiple <laughs> things that are going on. And so what got you into design? So all of these roles do stem from a design um, route. So what got you interested in design? Have you always been a creative?
0: Yeah, I have always been into art for as long as I can remember. Just doodling, making comic books, writing stories, Mm -hmm. creating old paper figures, whatever, you name it. Like any sort of project that involved working with your hands and like working on really detailed projects. Anytime we get art projects at school, I was really excited about it. I, I like live creative life. It's my, it's my dream. So I don't think there. I can't think of any one particular moment that was like, "Oh, this is it for me!" Like mm-hmm. light bulb moment where I got introduced to it. I think I just always wanted to do art.
1: Nice. And so, how you know? Did you go? To, did you ever study it in school, or how did you get into? Um, working at all these, these different companies, different projects. And you also mentioned like creative, like NFT, like you're in like the um, NFT space with the design. So can you tell us a little bit about that journey from, you know, maybe like college
0: to where you are now? It, it actually started before college because when I was in high school, nice. I started a design firm and it became the number one Google result for freelance graphic designer. So <laughs> people from all over the world started reaching out to me to get help on website design, marketing material design, you name it. And I built up a really decent client list before I got into college. And it's one of those things where even now I think about, you know, when people ask me if college makes sense for someone who wants to be a designer, mm-hmm. um, I didn't go to art school, right? I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and I got a bachelor of science in their graphic design, pro- graphic communication program. It wasn't even the design program at the time. Mm-hmm. It was like the business side of things. Um, and all of the things I use for my career and that that I've used as, as skills to further my career and work on startups, I didn't learn in college. So mm-hmm. it's hard for me to recommend doing that especially given how expensive it is and how many tools there are available to you online to mm-hmm. and, and ways you can connect with people you respect in your field to learn on the job and figure all this out without uh being in debt so yeah <laughs> yeah that's I, I totally like- get
1: that because i also studied um graphic communications with a specialty in like uh, well business communications with a specialty in graphic communication like that was what like the BA was called and people are just like, what? That doesn't make sense. And I'm just like, because, you know, you, you learn a lot of the things on the outside and that, you know, that topic was specific enough to give me topics that I I knew about, but also, you know, creative enough to allow me to push the boundaries of some certain graphic things that I had not explored before. So I'm just like, you know, I'm a communicator. I love to interact. I love to teach, learn. And so, the reason why I was able to stay in college is because the things that I didn't get on the outside world that's what I got in college. And like the things that I wanted to explore and really dive deeper into, I just did it on the outside world. So I was like starting businesses. People were like, why didn't you major in entrepreneurship? I'm like, well, they teach you entrepreneurship from like 10, 15 years ago, versus I could be right in it in the now. And so it was a very interesting dynamic. So I definitely resonate with uh, what you said, you know, a lot of this stuff you learn, um, outside actually doing stuff in the world and that's pretty cool how did that happen how did you end up being on you know the first search result like was it just you know you were one of like those
0: earlier websites like how did how did that work out well back in the day when there was very primitive web (laughs) design and front-end web development practices in search engine optimization Mm -hmm. also super old school where the search engines would actually scan for specific phrases or tags within your site Things that aren't heavily weighted or likely not even used anymore, mm-hmm. if you just did some basic research online to see what search engines cared about and embedded that into the code of your site, you could perform pretty well. And, mm-hmm. and then over time, you know, a lot of people start linking back to your site. And then once you get up to that spot, then a lot of traffic hits you, right? It's like kind of like a self-reinforcing uh, experience. <laughs> Nice, nice. And so now you've mentioned that you started
1: a bunch of projects for yourself, and you are working at. Um, you said Vayner X NFT, or am I saying that wrong? Vayner NFT. Yeah. So what is what is that like? And can you tell us a little bit about what is Vayner NFT? So I have an idea, but let the audience know um, a little bit more. You know, I'm pretty
0: sure we all hear a familiar name. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like so, you know, there's this whole starting a design firm back in high school, mm-hmm. going through college, um, which at the time was very heavily focused on print program, not web <laughs> college is kind of, you know, it takes them a little bit to yeah. um, out. When I got out of college, I went up to Silicon Valley and I ended up co-founding a med tech company mm. with two of my friends. And the, the company was in a like early YC batch. Um, we built this technology that a lot of people got really excited about that crowdsources medical diagnostic information for patients mm-hmm. and was outperforming the traditional medical system. So from there, I got hit up a lot for product design just in the YC space to, to help with that. And I evolved the design firm that I started back when I was in high school into a product design and research firm for startup companies. Nice. So cool. It is a lot of fun. Cause <laughs> you get to work on like what's going to come in the future, right? Yeah. So you can see it at really, really early stages. You can be a part of what shapes that. And then you, when you get to see it released out in the world, like sometimes it's six months, sometimes it's a year, sometimes it's five years, 10 years into the future. <laughs> then, then you're like, oh yeah, I remember. I remember getting to work on that and, and building out that MVP. Um, but yeah, so it, it was like a very, very long journey <laughs> into getting to where I am now. Um, which that in itself was not a very straightforward path at the end of 2020, I decided I wasn't going to work with any other, any companies that weren't in the crypto space Mm. because that's, that's the future. Mm -hmm. And I like working on things that will impact people in the future. I'm not interested in working on things (laughs) that are on their way out naturally. So I just drew a hard line end of 2020. I was just dropping any clients that weren't working in that space but I also didn't feel like I was as educated as I would like to be mm-hmm. on the crypto space. space. Yeah. yeah. And so I asked around, like, who who's the best person to learn from in this, in this area? Mm-hmm. I want to learn it from a deep technical level, someone who has been in the space for a while and understands it from not just a surface level, like, okay, here's the exciting thing, mm-hmm. grand vision of what the promise is of this technology, right? Like, I hear that enough. I want to know mm-hmm. the the backend experience that most people kind of brush over or don't realize is as hacky as it is, or, you know, like I want, I want the behind the scenes look. So I put it out there that I was looking for someone to learn from. And my friends connected me with the co-founders of Fishport, which is the leading cybersecurity company in the crypto space. Mm-hmm. And they happened to be looking for a user experience experience researcher and designer. And I told them like, Hey, I, I do that. That's awesome. I am super dying to get into a company that's in the crypto space, especially with their level of expertise. Mm -hmm. And they told me they couldn't possibly afford me Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the kind of salary level that I had been historically getting. So I told them, and, and this is, this is pretty bold to just throw it out there. I said, look, you pay me whatever you can afford and teach me everything you know. And they did. And I ended up getting roped into a lot of really awesome projects in the crypto space because of everything that Matt, Marks, and Riley taught me. And I, I'm super grateful to them. They're like, very patient with me and have dedicated a lot of time to just sit on these video calls and walk me through <laughs> these kind of like ridiculous, not user-friendly at all experiences (laughs) so that I knew how to deal with it. And here's where it gets crazy. An anonymous person, anonymous friend of mine that I knew from Clubhouse, and this is like (laughs) a thing that can happen during the pandemic when Mm -hmm. you're using these platforms where it's like audio only and you don't know the identities of people behind them. I have this anonymous friend. I have a couple of anonymous friends. And one of them asked me, to meet their anonymous friend on a video <laughs> call and I said sure <laughs> so I get on a video call just like how we're doing right mm-hmm. now but instead of seeing a human face he had a AR layer digital face on of a pixelated <laughs> person <laughs> and the mouth of this animated person would move while he was talking and I was looking at this, I'm like, wow, oh, this is some horror movie shit right here. Yeah, like, yeah, about to, ooh, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, I, I, it took me back, I was, I was a little taken aback by it, and, and I just told him, when I'm nervous, I just laugh, so I was just laughing, like, not, not being rude to him or anything, but I was just like, well, am I, should I be concerned, like, am I about to get kidnapped or something? <laughs> and no, he was a totally, totally nice guy, we just talked about some random crypto shit, and then a few days later, the president of Vayner NFT calls me up and tells me her friend, the anonymous guy I just talked to, said that I needed to be on their team. And that's how I ended up at Vayner NFT. <laughs> but Vayner is, as you probably guessed, Vayner NFT is the NFT agency owned by Gary Vaynerchuk. And so we have like the superstar in the NFT world guiding Fortune 500 companies in their web three strategies.
1: Nice. And that's, I, I love that story. Cause it's just filled with so much like exploration, what technology can do what innovation. And it's like, I feel like, is there any better interview style than like a totally anonymous person with like a pixelated mask? Like, is there any better interview for <laughs> NFT or crypto? I don't, I think that's it. I think that's like, okay, that makes sense. Like there was no, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah. how you're like, yeah, that checks That's about out, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I also like the idea of you know early on, even early on in the Web two world, mm-hmm. which it wasn't even called that back when I was hopping into the web space. Nobody knew I was a woman, or that mm-hmm. I was also sixteen, which worked in my favor. So I'd be working with companies around the world. I was working with governments on designing their web products, right? And, and that was all hunky dory. Cause I just went by Jay. It was no, no issue. I didn't realize until, you know, a few years in, I hopped on a video call with one of my clients who i had been working with for a while and he gets on the call and he sees me and he's like, you're a little girl. <laughs> and I was much younger than I'm like, you know, yeah. and I was just like, and that's when I realized, oh, People were just assuming or like I had no idea what people were assuming this whole time. And it turns out everyone who didn't who hadn't met me, which was most people assumed I was a dude, probably significantly older than I was. And I actually lost some clients when they saw that they were working with like a a little girl from high school, (laughs) which which was really kind of disturbing to me because I just... Like they they were very happy with the work. I mm-hmm. I just kept wondering like what is what does it even matter? You, yeah, you
1: like bias it? bias is such a ridiculous thing. Like it literally makes no sense. You found me, love the work that I was doing, but now when you know the real me, there's an issue, and it doesn't. You know, me being a girl and me being young does not impact in any way, form or shape the work that I have done, you know, if it's, it's one thing, if I'm a model and now, you know, you thought you were hiring a male model and I, I show up and I'm like, Hey, this, you know what I mean? Like, okay, we have a problem. I'm doing work that does not require my looks or my age or my gender to be involved. And I had a similar experience again, where similar to you where when I was uh, younger, one of my first businesses was a um, clothing line and I would go by just Georgie or G sometimes that'd be just G or Georgie and a significant amount of people thought i was like a guy <laughs> and yeah. you know i'm just and i didn't realize until um i was messaging back and forth with the potential photographer and she's like hey let's meet up um and, you know we decided we needed to meet up and i'm like all right cool so i get to the location first i'm like hey i'm here And then I see her because I had seen one of her pictures before, and like I guess my brand because she's a photographer, so she has some pictures of herself. And she's like, she walks in, and I'm like, hey, you know, you just passed me. She's just like, I don't see you here, and I'm just and I stand up where I'm like, hey, she's just like,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were a
1: guy, and I'm just like. Sorry, <laughs> like why? Why would you think that? <laughs> you know, people assume because was it's wondering. just like, you know, with, like especially if you're doing really good work or you have a lot of charisma, charisma or confidence. Sadly, those traits are just, oh, you're a man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've got to be a man. And so, you know, thankfully, times are changing a little bit. Um, not much. We haven't gotten too far from that. But, it you know, things are definitely, I would say, improved since since that those original Um, sources. And you shared a couple of misadventures so far and, you know, we're coming to the middle of the show. So I want to ask, is there any other stories that you'd love to share that have been a misadventure through this experience um, in design and in just being an entrepreneur?
0: Yeah, no, you're right. Like most of my career is misadventure. (laughs) Somebody just telling you how I got here in the first place is like chaos. Um, But I actually, I, going back to what you were saying, I totally agree that things are better. And I would say in the web three space, significantly better. It's Mm. so different. And I I think a lot of that has to do with being able to have anonymity. There's there's something really cool about, I was annoyed at the time when I was a kid, but with people assuming I was a male and not realizing that, and then getting to see a side-by-side comparison of how they treated me when they thought I was a guy versus Mm. once they knew I was a woman, how they treated me. Having that whole experience where most of my youth, I was treated like a man and given the respect and space and uh, authority of being a man. I, one, I loved it, <laughs> um, and and then two, having such a drastic comparison while still getting to experience what it's like to be a guy while being a woman, mm-hmm. and then seeing. How you actually get treated when people know you're a woman. Having that experience makes me really appreciate how far we've come from the, I wanna say early 20, 2010s, like that era where pre Me Too movement, yeah. how women were treated in the tech space and how I was treated in real life as a woman in the tech space. Getting to see how women were treated in the web two world and how they are being celebrated, elevated and spotlighted now in the web three world is very exciting for me. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I feel like I'm almost getting to that point. And I feel like that gap is closing where I will eventually be treated like a man again. <laughs> and I kind of feel like I kind of feel like I am, you know, like people always ask me and I know this is probably not it, maybe not the most popular. This is the right show to say it. So go ahead. <laughs> whatever you're thinking, whatever you're trying to censor, this is the show that it's okay. <laughs> people ask me a lot, what would success look like for me? And mm-hmm. I have a variety of different answers for that. One of them is when people treat me like a white man, <laughs> I will know I have made it. And it's, it's a little bit painful for me to think that I've already experienced that as a child, as, mm-hmm. as a teenager. I already had that. And now I've been having to fight my way back yeah. to that again yeah. because of like the packaging I came in, right? But Web3, it's, it's a different beast. It's been elevating and supporting and bringing to the forefront underrepresented folks who haven't had the same opportunities and who haven't had the same level of respect and amplification to their voice. And this is, it's really exciting to see.
1: I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I think, like you said, like just echoing and agreeing with everything that you said, because when you experience that, I think it's like a weird duality to live in when people, you know, know that have treated you one way and then you get treated in a completely different way as if you're less than it, it messes with your brain you're, you're like what oh, yeah is, what's happening here what do you what do you mean and yeah. then that's not still the same me and it's just like the people and the persons around you they've changed or they've allowed their bias to literally put like a hand in front of their face and they're just like where did you go okay i guess you're not <laughs> here anymore i'm gonna walk <laughs> out now when it's like they're putting on these blinders on purpose and some people you know I'm not giving them an excuse, but some people don't even realize how much they do it. Because, again, I have experienced something very similar where I've been in the spaces and people just thought I was like, you know, when they saw when they saw me in real life, I thought, saw that I was like a black woman. They just thought I was crazy. <laughs> and so they're just like, OK, if you could stand up in this room with like no one else, no one of color, no one under 30, no one. You're, you've got to be nuts. And so I was able to show up in these spaces and just not, this, I don't think be discredited, but it was just like, all right, let's just not even like bother to apply or bias to her. And then now as the space gets more diverse or, you know, it's just like this weird thing. It's like, oh, this, this is too many. Um, And so now I think we're on the other swing of that where it's like, okay, people can do the work, show up as who they are and don't need to be judged literally by physical features that they may or may not be able to change, by biological features that they may or may not be able to change, what is the quality of the work that they do? What is the quality of them as a person um, is the priority, is the most important thing uh, versus just like your bias and you have to check yourself. I think more people are having the ability to check themselves in their own groups to say like, why do I feel this way? Why do I treat a person differently when I know a thing, you know, new thing about them? Uh, We've heard stories, whether it's like religious things, um, gender, race, um, age, right. That's a huge one too. You know, a person thinks you're 30, but then they realize, oh, you're 50. Oh, maybe I shouldn't give this person the job or the opposite. They think you're 50 and then they realize you're younger. Can I trust you with this? And it's just, you were trusting me with it 30 seconds ago. Now you have a little bit more information that does not impact the thing I was going to do, but now you're allowing it to impact it because of your own pre pre pre-determined or, um, adopted biases. So Yes, interesting world we're in.
0: Yeah, I mean, it impacts the way I view myself too, right? Like, I would say I'm extremely ageist to myself, where I have these preconceived notions of what I should have achieved by my age or what is inappropriate, what's appropriate for an adult, what life stage I should be at right now. Yeah. You know, and it's all these, it's because of external factors. There is no playbook for or road, there's no life (laughs) for, for your aging process, right? So, so it's interesting to see how even even I second guess me and what I should be doing. And if that's right for me, just based on how other people have reacted to me.
1: Nice.
0: I mean, well, not nice, but it's
1: nice that we've like, we're acknowledging that. Right. And I think, yeah. you know, calling ourselves out as well, like calling out the people around us is really the, you know, the thing that's happening now. And I'm really grateful for, um, what is it? Gen Z. Cause I think well, they are think, doing yeah. it so heavily, and you know, I'm millennial, and I'm pretty usually millennial age too. But again, we all look like we're twelve. Um, <laughs> you know, I got carded the other day. Somebody thought I was sixteen, and I'm just like, oh, nice, great. Mm-hmm. Works, <laughs> you know, it's good sometimes, but then other times it's just like, are you kidding me? And I have yeah. two children, so it it gets a little fuzzy when it's like I'm with my ten year old, and people are thinking yeah. I'm sixteen, and you know, it doesn't it doesn't work out. Oh yeah. <laughs> but um you know when. I didn't even I lost my train of thought, but (laughs) Gen Z you talk how Gen Z. I feel like they are just tackling everything. It's like, oh, you you know, there's no more bullying about being fat, tall, short, skinny, weird, all the things. It's just like this is who I am. Take it or leave it. There's no in-between. And I think that has like that attitude has trickled into you know, millennials as well as um Gen X and even it's a little, it's, it's, it's surfacing to baby boomers. They're still trying to process, but, you know, I think it's happening and definitely alphas like that is the best name for them. Like these really smaller ones, like alphas to the T and it's just so cool to see that, you you know, certain things that would have held us back as millennials gen X don't even face them. Right. Like yeah. those problems don't even exist anymore. Um, double that sword, but it's, it, it's like, Whoa, like, okay okay, we can just re-rewrite how things work. Cool. Let's, let's do that to some stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I super appreciate the mm-hmm. next generation. It's weird for me to still say that because in my head, I'm still super young. But you. um, <laughs> I really appreciate working with the next generation. They, they give me hope for the future. They are way more empathetic, way mm-hmm. more thoughtful. They stand up for what feels right for them and they don't let companies bully them. So it's forcing companies to have to change the way they operate, how they hire, how they treat their own team for the better. Because now they realize they just won't have a workforce if Mm -hmm. they keep doing the way they have been. And and the next generation, like even even millennials, right? Like even us, we're we're pushing back and being like, "Whoa, we're not." The whole point of life isn't to work ourselves to death or Mm -hmm. be, be your like personal whatever like thing to dump all your projects on, right? Like we have lives too outside of this and we want like fully integrated balanced lives or satisfying lives that we can feel good about, that we can go to sleep at night and feel like we're actually having a positive impact on the world. Exactly. And so now uh, we're coming to the part of the show where I want to ask
1: you, you know, so you've gone through a lot of these experiences and we've shared and unpacked a little bit of how you felt behind that, but any additional resources that you use to maintain your mental health and just your overall wellness as you're going through this entrepreneurial journey um, and working with different um, agencies and just being involved in the tech industry overall?
0: Oh, man. I mean, (laughs) I'll be honest with you. This is a pretty rough day. Like it's been it's been stacked the whole week's been totally stacked with back to back meetings and, emergency stuff all the time the whole crypto space is on fire you might have probably seen (laughs) so so i'm like normally what i try to do is i really try to take my weekends and even recently not this past weekend but the weekend before that i just had an off-the-grid weekend i didn't Mm -hmm. look at a computer phone or clock for three and a half days and it was glorious. I didn't know what day it was. I didn't. My <laughs> eyes got to readjust to not looking at a device all the time. It was the most refreshing thing. And I came back to work on Monday so ready to go. Like I, I hit the ground running. And now with the last two weeks being as crazy as they have been in the space, I'm like, I think I need another one of these off the grid weekends to just recharge. Yeah. Uh, so that's consistency. I'm I'm not so great at being consistent about paying attention to and making space for me to take care of my mental health. I try, I get better at it every day. Um, I try to be nicer to myself about not always um, hitting every goal or objective that I have set for myself and just accepting like, hey, there's only so many hours in the day. I'm a human being. I do what I can. And then when I am out of energy, I just, I don't try to push it anymore I just say like, well, the tank of energy is gone now. I can't can't move forward. I might as well just put this down for now and come back to it when I I have the energy to deal with it again. And that's how I've been trying to best support my mental health and energy, given the very compact time frame I have to do everything I need to get done in like super crazy moments like this.
1: Yeah, I love that. Just, you know, like you said, making space and like Recognizing that once the tank is done, just stay, stay where you at. You know what I mean. Yeah. And um, and th- and it's uh, it's almost like solar power, right? You you use it, you use it, use it. But then at nighttime, not much is you know you gotta relax, let it renew. Next day, all the the sunshine will come in. You'll be rejuvenated. Um, so you know, take those breaks. Stop when you feel f- when you feel like you have exhausted your energy. Do not go past that because. It causes damage. If we use like a car example, when your car is out of gas and you try to keep going on it, it may or may not move. And if it does move, you are damaging the vehicle in various ways. It may not show immediately, but now two years later, a year later, you're like, what's wrong with my engine? It's because all those times that you drove with the, 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 the thing under E right? You know, I have five more miles, right? A car in motion, keep stays in motion. Um, <laughs> but the whole time we're causing additional damage. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I hope you do get another unplugged weekend. Uh, I have not had ever had one of those. I think I need to put one of those on my agenda. No phone, no clock, no screen. Highly yeah. recommend it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to figure out how to squeeze one of those in by the end of the year. That's going to be my little promise to myself. Um, And now that we're coming to the end of the interview, I would love to ask you what type of advice or motivation do you want to leave with the audience um, for entrepreneurs, for folks in design, just any, anything that you want to leave uh, with the audience?
0: The, the quotation that's actually helped me out a lot in life is something my stepdad told me, and that's always do what's right for you because a company will always do what's right for it. Mm. So a lot, you know, the previous, like even our generation, generations prior, they would have this mindset of if they pour their lives into a company and spend their time there, that the company owes them something yeah. and then they feel burned when the company lets them go, like, like a company would, it's not, it is not an empathetic being. It is, <laughs> it is a nothing. This is like a sum of its parts. Right. So, and sometimes not that, <laughs> <you know? laughs> So you, you are the only person who knows what's right for you, and you're the only person who can really take action on what is right for you because you know what that is if you're listening to yourself. So pay attention to that and actually do what's right for you. Don't do something because you feel obligated to do it for X, Y, Z reason find a better way to position yourself or find like a company that's more aligned with you or coworkers that are more aligned with you or just life situation that's more aligned with you Mm -hmm. so that you're not doing these things where you feel like you're paying into something that will need to get paid back later because odds are good, you're not gonna get paid out (laughs) from that pool that you think you're depositing into. You you Mm -hmm. need to be thinking about how to set yourself up So that you're enjoying what you're doing now and the things that you are doing, they, you know, they can be for a company, they can be for other projects, they can be for other people, but they should be serving you as well. Absolutely. I love, love, love that advice because,
1: you know, you can't pour from an empty cup, you have to at least be content with that, no matter how this turns out, you had a good time, you valued yourself because otherwise there's going to be a rabbit hole that you will never get out of, right. Putting your happiness and your, um, life on in the hands of others. So thank you so much for being here with us on the show today, Jessica. I really appreciate you sharing your journey and your craziness and, uh, you know, congrats to you and all the growth. And I'm excited to see what you build out and continue to build out in the, um, crypto blockchain NFT space and, you know, continued design. I love your website. Everyone definitely go check out her website. It's going to be linked below in the description box. Um, and there'll be also links to um, connect with Jessica on social media but until then, thank you all. And I will see you in another episode of Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. Bye, everybody.
0: Bye, all Thank you so much.